Hello everyone, this is Yalda from Eat, Burn, Sleep, the online low inflammation gut health and sustained weight loss platform. If you follow me on my social media, you probably know that I love learning, discovering new things, meeting passionate individuals. So I have decided to launch this podcast where I interview amazing people. We're going to be talking about physical health, mental health, well-being, with people who are passionate about what they do and who strive for excellence. I hope you learn from it and you enjoy it. Let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Eat, Burn, Sleep podcast. I'm here with the beautiful Andrea Wong, an American businesswoman who happens to be a good friend of mine. Hi, Andrea. Hello, Yalda. I'm very happy to be here with you as a great friend. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. So I thought of asking you to come and talk on this podcast to really inspire people, and in particular women. You've had the most incredible career. You're very beautiful. You're naturally elegant, well-spoken. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I am very flattered by that. <laughs> and really fun. Well, thank you. So That's how, really nice. So, t- so tell me, I was looking, you know, at all the things you've done, just to, just to give a little bit of background um, to the listener. Most recently, you were the president for Sony Pictures Television. You are the one who introduced the crown to Sony Pictures. Yes. Um, and you have achieved many more things. You studied... Um, electrical engineering. You stu- <laughs> Believe it or not, electrical engineering. <laughs> you studied electrical engineering at MIT. So you started out in a very nerdy field. Very. And ended up in the very glamorous world of entertainment and television. Mm. How did this happen? Well, I think I grew up in Silicon Valley and... Everyone told me that I was uh, good at math and that I should be an engineer because that's what everyone did. I grew up down the street from Apple. I went to the high school that Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak went to. So I thought my destiny was to be to go get an electrical engineering degree, get an MBA, and then go work somewhere like Apple or Hewitt Packard or something like that. So that's why I went into electrical engineering. And I, I went to MIT and I really did not love it. It was hard. And it wasn't. I wasn't a natural at it. So, um, I went to wall street for a while and I really enjoyed that. And then I went to business school and then I really thought about what I am passionate about and what makes me want to get up in the morning. And, uh, I would say how people use their leisure time and how they escape is what interests me and how they relax. And so I looked at all sorts of industries in that space and I, uh, landed on television and that's how I ended up going into television after business school. Amazing. How amazing. So it was not by chance. You actually decided, I want to make a difference in people's life, improve their leisure time, and this is what I'm going to be doing. Yes. I mean, it started out, it it evolved over the course of time, but yes. Um, Somehow through a confluence of events, I decided when I was in business school that I wanted to be a TV news producer. And uh, I had zero experience in the TV news space. And I had two degrees that were actually negatives in trying to get a job. And so I begged for a job and I made, I, I finally got a job, uh, at ABC news, making less money than I made coming out of college. 
It says, sometimes you have to take a step back to take a step forward, which is often something I say to people. Interesting. And what's happened after after that? Um, Then I got really lucky. So some some of my career has been luck that um, I had uh, a great sponsor, I guess, in, in ABC News who recommended me to be uh, the first chief of staff for a special assistant to Bob Iger, who's now the CEO of Disney. Mm-hmm. But at the time, at that point in time, he was the head of ABC, uh, Capital Cities ABC. And so I went to work for him for a few years, and I got to learn the entire business of television and radio and cable. And then I thought, you know what? If I really want to run something, if I want to run a studio or a network, I need, I'm going to be better. I need to prove that I can do what drives the business and what drives the business is the creative side. And so I didn't know if I was creative or not, but I needed to figure that out. And so I went off and tried to find a job on the creative side and I moved to Los Angeles and I took a job uh, at ABC Entertainment that like, frankly, nobody really cared about or wanted to do, which was called the Alternative Series Specials and Late Night Department. And this was before reality telev- television really existed. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, I'll do it because I'm really interested in, in getting into the space. And then I got lucky timing wise because the world of reality television exploded over the course of the time that I was there and running that division. And so that's when I did things like The Bachelor, Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. um, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And I brought a lot of British formats to the US. And um, so it was great. I really like honed my creative chops, taught myself, my brain to think in a different way. And I, cause I do think you can, t- tra- you can, you can train your brain to think in a different way. How do you do that? So here's what I did. So when you're an engineer, you're basically taking a whole bunch of inputs in a big funnel, let's just say, and solving it into the bot, the single answer and mm-hmm. the creative space. You're doing exactly the opposite. You're taking a kernel of an idea and blowing it up into a TV show. And, um, what I did was I watched every TV show with a different, uh, lens. So I would analyze exactly what I thought worked and didn't work about the show. And, um, I just trained my brain to think about like, these are the elements that are important. For example, music is extremely important in a TV show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, certain elements, like when we developed the bachelor, uh, certain things resonate with people and you need to figure out how to, how to infuse that in a TV show. So I think the best unscripted shows tap into, um, they tap into something that resonates with people or is provocative. And that usually is worldwide. So with it, with the bachelor, everyone knows what it likes to feel, feel, sorry, with the bachelor, everyone knows what it feels like to fall in love. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what it feels like to be, to be dumped. And it was sort of the dating game on steroids. So I knew that that was going to resonate with people. Amazing. Of course. And Dancing with the Stars was about putting, you know, someone putting their whole, you know, having huge stakes and dancing live in front of 20 million people. And it takes great courage and there are huge stakes. And that was what that was about. Uh, so I think unscripted television is very much about what resonates. And and, and uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition was very much about rewarding people who have done great things and have not been recognized. 
like your own home and it doesn't show on the outside? Is that what you're saying? No, we would take families who had done extraordinary things or were well-deserved and we would send them off to on vacation for a week and redo their house for them. I see. Sorry, I don't watch television. No, that's quite all right. No, that's quite all right. Um, and then, by the way, the crown, you could argue, is the same thing. Like, you know that um, the queen has touched so many countries in the world. Yeah. And there is a resonance about royalty that mm -hmm. makes people absolutely curious about that story. Mm -hmm. And so that was pretty exciting to do that one. I can imagine. And it's like, obviously, came, became a great success. But what I want to understand is what in your childhood created a mind like the one you have? I'm incredibly lucky that I have amazing parents. So I'm the oldest of five children. My parents are very middle class. My dad is a retired high school teacher. My mom is a retired nurse. And they gave us, I always say this, they gave us a, a few things that, tools, I guess, in the toolbox. Number one, they gave us unconditional love, which is extremely important. The other thing they gave us was... um they never let us quit. So anything we committed to, let's say it was piano lessons or joining a club or whatever, you couldn't quit. You're committed. So it, it, it was about um, commitment and dedication to something. And the third thing they did was they taught us how to fail, which is maybe the most important skill, which is when you fail, you run for office or you, you know, try out for the cheerleading team or whatever it is. And you fail, they taught us how to pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and keep going. And how is that for a child in practical terms? Let's say you didn't make it to the cheerleading um, team. How did your, which words did they use? How did they give you the motivation to continue or, or try something else? How did they keep this confidence, self-confidence up in you? I think through the unconditional love and through... Um, just telling you there's going to be something else for you or, or, you know, maybe this wasn't the right thing, but something else will be and let's go find it. Amazing. And so, I mean, I watch my nieces and nephews go through the same thing with their parents mm -hmm. and, you know, it's painful for a parent to watch their child fail mm -hmm. or to be, watch a child in tears because they didn't make whatever it was they wanted yes. to. But resilience is really, really important. And that's what my parents gave me. Yes. I was reading uh, The Tools of Titans of um, Tim Ferriss. Mm -hmm. And there is one thing that most successful people have, a trait they have in common, is they take less time than average to recover from a failure. Yes. So they pick themselves up quicker and get back on the road, which is basically what your parents taught you. Yes. It doesn't matter. You get back. You try again, something else, we'll find it, yeah. just keep going. And as you get older, you realize it, it, if it wasn't, if it didn't fit or if you didn't have the right match, it wasn't the right thing for you. And it's easier, actually. Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a filter. It's yeah. taking you to the place where you should be. That's right. So, Andrea, you have um, retired from um, your last job and you are now on the board of a few companies. Yes. So I'm tell happy. me about that. I'm having a great time being what I would call a pluralist uh, because I sit on these amazing boards 
of companies that I think are fabulously interesting. And uh, I sit on the board of Li- Liberty Media Corporation, which owns Sirius Satellite Radio and Formula One and the Atlanta Braves, among many other things. I sit on the board of their sister company, Curate, which owns QVC and Home Shopping Network. I sit on the board of a real estate investment trust. I'm on my third SPAC board. And then I just uh, recently joined the board of a company called Roblox, mm-hmm. which is uh, a gaming platform for young people, which is going to go out and direct list soon. And it's very exciting. It's a really exciting company. And then I sit on some private boards that I really enjoy as well. So I feel like I have the luxury right now of being involved in companies that I'm really interested in, working with people that I really, really like, and learning. And those are kind of the three things that um, are important to me. I can imagine that's a pure luxury, actually. Learning luxury. and doing what you like. Yeah, and being around people that you think are really smart and great. Mm-hmm. Like me right now. Exactly. <laughs> um, and how... So you're... Knowing you socially, you're a very, very balanced person. You have your hobbies. Thank you. <laughs> you are. You, you make time for fun. You make time for friends. You make time for hobbies, for travel. How... In a day, when you wake up, what's your routine? How do you structure your days? How does this work in your head? How do you not get overwhelmed by all the things that you do every single day? Yeah, that's an interesting question because you're asking me this in lockdown. And so this year has been an odd year in terms of trying to structure your day. Um, uh, If it were not lockdown, I'd spend the morning focused on... um, emails probably and then starting from lunch on I would have meetings and then I would do my social life in the evening mm-hmm. in lockdown I don't know I sleep a little bit longer and <laughs> <laughs> and then I do kind of the same but I can't see people usually so uh, I and I do a lot of work in the US so I zoom a lot uh, in the late afternoon evening mm-hmm. and then I'm kind of a night owl so I do a lot of work in the nighttime and then or I talk to my family uh and then I go to bed and I like watch a movie in bed and it's great I watch a lot of content still I I love tv and film and how do you see so everyone got completely hooked to Netflix and yes and to tv obviously during lockdown um how do you see the future of television going I think that it's the goal it's such a great time in television right now because what Uh, these over-the-top platforms like Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV have done is allowed great storytellers, great directors, great actors to tell their stories in the length of time that they want to tell them. Mm-hmm. So it's not binary. It's not either a two-hour film or a 22-episode TV show. It could be told in four hours or six hours or eight hours or whatever the writer, director, and director want to do. And then the actors have the luxury of saying, okay, I'm going to sign on for this six-hour or three-hour show. So, for example, we did A Very English Scandal, Mm -hmm. which Stephen Frears directed. When I was at Sony, Stephen Frears directed it. Um, Hugh Grant starred in it. Ben Wishaw starred in it. It was a three-hour show. Mm -hmm. You could not have done that 10 years ago. Yeah, so it's bringing freedom. It's bringing huge freedom, and therefore you get much better talent. And yeah. so it was extraordinary to have that three hours of television. And Amazon bought the worldwide wide rights. The BBC initiated it here. And so, you know, for the talent, 
meaning writers, directors, and actors, it's the best time to be in this con- in content creation. Yeah, so it's it's more democratic and more yeah yeah mm-hmm. approachable for everyone. And there's enormous and- resources being thrown at it, so a lot of great stuff is being made. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, you also keep healthy. I try. <laughs> so what are your secrets? So if you look up Andrea, she is beautiful. She's a very no, that's beautiful. very kind. You are. You have the most amazing skin, hair. You're, you have a great body. So clearly, there hasn't been that much stress or you've mitigated the stress really well because it's not showing on you. What are your secrets? Well, first of all, I have good genes because I'm Chinese. <laughs> We age very, very well. <laughs> Our skin doesn't wrinkle quite as quickly as most people. It's true. Um, and then, I don't know. I think lockdown has been good for me because I've slept a lot. And I walk all the time. I walk every day. And that, for all the work, I've tried every workout on the planet. And the best thing for me is walking. I'm so glad you discovered that because it's one of the pillars of the Eat, Burn, Sleep method. I love that. Yeah, it is. It, uh, walking is the most underrated form of exercise. It f- burns fat. Yeah. It lowers your inflammation. Mm. The first time I used to run a lot and the first time I picked up on the power of walking was, uh, I went to the horse, horse racing with, uh, the father of my children. Mm-hmm. And I was noticing that the jockeys are very skinny, very low body fat, but still some muscle. Mm-hmm. I asked one of them, I said, what's your secret? I know you eat very little, but you still have muscle on you. How do you manage that? He said to me, we walk four to six hours a day. That's amazing. I was, he was like, because walking does not shrink your muscles, but burns fat. However, when you run, you waste muscle. That's so interesting because I hate running. That's why I walk. And I will say that in this lockdown, I started walking every single day for an hour. And it is the be- has been the best thing that I could possibly do for myself. I also find it to be very meditative. It is. It calms you down. Yeah. And that's why it lowers inflammation. So it really calms the system down, walking. Yeah. So that's my thing now. And, um, you know, I guess I'm lucky that I can drink wine and not um, have it affect my body. <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys, Andrea, was fun. (laughs) So do you plan to stay in the UK or go back to the US? No, I'm staying here. I just bought this flat and that you're sitting in right now. And well, I bought it a year ago, but it took me a year to remodel it and make it a home. And I really feel like it's my home and I love it. And I love living in London. It is when you move from the US to London, at least for me, It opened up my aperture so much, and I can't even imagine going back to the U.S. and living there because this world, the, the world just opened up for me in a way that I could never guessed. Because London is so cosmopolitan. And so international. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and also it's not a one industry town, which Los Angeles is. You say that because you are in the media, but when you come from finance, you feel like everybody's from finance in London. <laughs> And you'd feel like LA is more diversified. But I, I see what you mean. It's true that I've, wor- I've worked in New York for um, a few months when I was doing the graduate program for one of the big banks. I was 
quite shocked. I realized that London is so much more international. It is. There's incredible diversity here. I meet so many interesting people here. I have so many friends that I adore who are completely different from each other. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have that if I lived in Los Angeles. And I wouldn't have that if I lived in New York either. It's true. You and I have done dinners where there were 10 nationalities around yeah. the table. <laughs> and not... <laughs> and wildly different. Right? Yes, wildly different. Um, so have your siblings um, achieved the way you have? Have they... What I mean by that is have they tried... Have your, your parents' method, has it worked on the five of you? Yes. I would say my, my siblings are extraordinary. They... Um, Both of my sisters are doctors and they're married to doctors and they have, you know, all of my siblings have kids. So I have 12 nieces and nephews and, uh, one brother is a dentist. who's married to a dentist. He met in dental school and they all met each other in school. And then my brother, Greg is a, the CFO of a tech company and has a lovely wife as well and kids. <coughs> and I think the testament to my parents is that we all really, really like each other. I think that is the biggest thing. So Much we have a Zoom. achievement, yeah. Yeah, but if, if you yes. can have five kids who all get along and really, really like each other, yes, and like our in-laws also, uh, that's a great thing. So we have a Zoom every Saturday night because of lockdown, and we spend probably more time talking to each other than we have in years, and it's really nice. So one, one of the upsides of this situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Because you have to look for the silver lining in all of these situations. Mm-hmm. So I would, from what you're telling me, it seems like the most important thing really is the unconditional love that, yes. that they have given you all. Yes. And, and we all, because we unconditionally love them, we, uh, we want our family to be happy and we would never, even if we had a, like a minor squabble with each other, we would never let that interfere with the most important thing, which is our family. Mm-hmm. That's because you received a lot of, of love. Yes. When you receive a lot of love, then you have much more love to give. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. You can be more generous. Yes, because your heart has been filled with that and it is what you know. So your default mechanism... Exactly. And I think that. also it gives you a backstop. Like when you know the chips are down or whatever it is, you know that you have a family who loves you and, mm -hmm. and you're going to be fine. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really lucky. Yeah, I feel incredibly fortunate every day. Like whenever I'm feeling my, uh, whenever, whenever I am feeling sorry for myself in lockdown, I have to remember, or I do remember how lucky I am to have the family that I have, you know, the resources that I have, all of these things and the, and the friends that I have. And, um, you cannot feel sorry for yourself in that situation. I completely agree. What, what, what lockdown has taught me is to look at the things I have mm -hmm. versus looking at the things I do not have. Mm -hmm. And whether, to all the people listening, whether you have a loving family or not, we all have a support system. We yes. all have friends. There is, we all have, that, that's why we function. Otherwise, we wouldn't function if mm -hmm. we didn't have a support system. It is quite important during these times to realize quite how fortunate we are the thing is in previous generations and you know last century and the century before there was so much adversity around us that humans would feel so lucky when they lived or survived mm -hmm. we have become quite spoiled in a way and quite yes. picky yes this 
allows us to, to see quite how far we've come as a human race. Mortality has never been this low. Um, children mortality has never been this low in history. We've access to vaccination, education, situation for women, although there's still a lot to be done, has never been this good. So at the end of the day, if we can focus on these things to pull us through these difficult times. I think we're both very much a half glass full kind of person. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and it, by the way, it's a, it's a better way to get through life is to think about all the great things that we have mm -hmm. and to be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, interestingly, I was talking, this is completely a different topic, but it still ties into it. Um, I was talking to a, a psychiatrist and she was telling me that everyone in their life at some point will go through a period where they will have symptoms of depression. Mm. Every single person. What pulls people through and allows them to not develop the disease, so depression is very linked to inflammation, but also from a <clears throat> mindset standpoint, people who see the glass half full are the ones who survive and stay positive and get over that little bump yes. versus developing the disease in the long run. That makes total sense to me. And again, I feel fortunate that I've been raised to always look at the glass half full. So your par parents were very much like that? Yes. I mean, they're ecstatically happy people. They're thrilled that they have the children and grandchildren that they have. And um, it's wonderful to spend time with them. Amazing. Andrea, thank you so much for your wise words mm -hmm. and sharing all these things with us. Which, um, if you had some advice to give to anyone who wants to... Um, dive into the world of television, any young person, what advice would you give them? I would say um, make sure you really, really want to do it because it is a very, very hard world. I always say Hollywood sort of weeds out the people who don't really want to do it because it's tough. But if you love it, be really good at it and you will uh, you know, work hard and you will climb up the ranks and get to where you want to go. But know that it will weed you out if you're not really, really passionate about it. But it's great fun. I will tell you, I've had the best time. I mean, I feel lucky that I've had great, I've had the best jobs in the world. And so I am grateful for that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yalda, for the kind words. <laughs> really nice to talk to you. And you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a beautiful day. Thank you to all of you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to go on eatburnsleep.com to learn more about gut health and chronic inflammation. I would really appreciate if you could rate this podcast and of course feel free to share it with anyone who might enjoy it. Have a beautiful day.